Disrupting Worship, the podcast, is a set of conversations about the future of gathered worship. In the midst of struggle and tragedy, lockdown has offered us an unprecedented opportunity to pause, reflect and reshape what it looks like to meet with God, the world and one another. Good afternoon. I've got uh, Sam and Annie Flanagan joining me for a good old chinwag. And I'm so excited because I know we're going to go off tangents and uh, we're going to go down a few cul-de-sacs and hope to have a few aha moments. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to you, Andy. Um, Andy, just tell us a bit, what, what do you want to, you know, for those who've not heard of you or maybe those who have come across you, but in a different context, just maybe just let us know a bit about you. That'd be great. Oh, thanks. Nice to meet you properly, Grace, as well. This is really exciting. It's great. This is great. Um, so, yeah, my name's Andy Flanagan, husband of but one wife, uh, Jen, and two kids, uh, Jubilee and Jesse, uh, who are delightful. And uh, and I guess uh, my time is spent, aside from that, that's probably most of my time at the minute, certainly for the last, yeah, most of my weeks been homeschooling. But uh, now uh, I am... I lead a thing called Christians in Politics, which is trying to encourage Christians to not just commentate or throw stones in the direction of the world of politics, but actually get involved. And then I, I also, I mean, I've always written songs and sung those songs uh, to anybody that will listen uh, and sometimes lead people in worship and, and speak to people wherever I'm asked, really, doing that sort of stuff. So, Andy, obviously you and I know each other very well. We live a lot, literally a stone's throw from one another here in Luton and we're doing stuff all the time. And I know that you've got a, a personal story. You know, we, we can, we'll get on to some of the bigger picture stuff about what does worship look like, you know, post the pandemic or as we begin to emerge. But but firstly, I know that your your personal story during this time has been a struggle. Uh, and I just, you know, what's what's your, yeah, been your experience over this last year or so? Um, yeah, it's been quite, it's been quite a year. Uh, to say the least. Um, I probably go back even longer than that, probably like 18 months. Um, I got shoved over on a touch rugby pitch mm. uh, in the summer of 2019 uh, and had a full rupture of my anterior cruciate ligament in my right knee and, and, and like sort of half of the lining of my medial condyle gone, which basically means, you know, I've got arthritis 30 years early, you know, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, not a happy picture on that for somebody who loves running around playing touch rugby and cricket and that sort of thing. So uh, yeah, things were already slightly different. And then uh, we kind of came towards lockdown. And on the very day that school shut in March mm. 2020, uh, I was taking the kids for a walk up Warden Hills. Anybody who's local who's listening to this will know Warden Hills just on the edge of Luton. And uh, and uh, yeah, we had the most gorgeous time, gorgeous wee picnic with the kids. And I was literally sitting thinking, you know, while wow, we are heading towards, you know, I, I guess I, I was one of the people who'd been talking about COVID for maybe two or three months at that point. Mm. I've been reading the stuff from China and getting more and more worried and sort of saying to people, like, this is going to be a big thing. And so even though that was kind of in the air and even though the schools were shutting that very day, I remember sitting under the tree uh, with the kids, arms around them, reading stories, eating together, just thinking, oh, this is just, you know, I... God, we've got them, got you. This is just still amazing. Life is mm. good. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't, can't imagine anything better than this. And, yeah. and literally no more than 
uh, yeah, two minutes after that experience, we were getting up to walk off and my thigh caught a bramble uh, on one of the little paths just near the tree where we'd been and it flicked back uh, like at sort of high speed and I didn't realise how close Jubilee was behind me and it and it went into her eye. Um, and even though we didn't realise it at the time, what had happened then was that um, her lens had been punctured um, and it was sort of flooding this, you know, the humor that's in the lens all around her eye. And so she had to have emergency surgery that weekend to save her eye. She then had to have further surgery um, uh, about three, yeah, three months later to uh, put an artificial lens in that eye. And, uh, you know, and then months later, she now, in her sixth month of having a patch on for six hours a day and little bifocal lens, bless her, she started primary school with, with a patch on and those lens mm. and that lens. And, um, she was so incredibly resilient and brave through the summer, just amazing. And then her actual second there, and that's all kind of in the, with the fear of not wanting to go anywhere near a hospital, but seeing this beautiful girl, um, you know, with the, just a, a freakish moment. You know, a friend of mine, Joanne, uh, is a, who went through, I was, used to be a doctor, went through medical school with me, and she's now, a, she's been for like 20 years, been a, a, an A&E consultant and, uh, and she was saying that you know we see like one bramble injury per week, but like in her twenty years, she's never seen anything as you know end of spectrum crazy as that mm. happening. You know to 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 be flicked back with such force to be able to actually puncture a lens and to be exactly the right. You've got to go right in through the pupil to yeah. be in the right spot, and you just like and you're going like God seriously, like <laughs> like what? I mean, what purpose is this serving? And yeah. And so just really hard. And then the week of her second surgery happened to be the week where I was finally, after lots of COVID delays, getting my knee done, getting mm. the surgery on my knee. And then, uh, but in the run up to that, I started to get loads of problems with other parts of my body, which shall remain nameless just at this point, uh, which is pretty uncomfortable and unpleasant. And, and then I had loads of complications from the surgery as well. So basically I was on my back. My poor wife, Jen, was looking after us all for, for that summer. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was pretty hard to say the least. Just just heartbreaking to see what was happening with Jubilee and Jesse, my son, has really really bad eczema, um, which is flaring up bad at the minute actually. Um, so just yeah, another thing. And you know, gosh, I was so aware that there were everybody had their own story of struggle yeah. in COVID. So it wasn't like ours was any greater or less than anybody else's. Um, but yeah, with that, you know, I, I think we all had that kind of extra layer of fear and anxiety, didn't we? Yeah. And still do, yeah. um, because of the COVID context. And so not knowing, I mean, I've told that story now as if it makes sense, but like for those months, we didn't know what was going on with Julie's yeah. eye. We didn't know whether she'd get surgery because of COVID. We didn't know whether the eye was just going to fall away and die. We didn't know whether, you know, whether she was ever going to get any sight back. You know, we still yeah. don't know exactly the future of that eye really. Um, so the questioning and the, you know, I'm not sure it was panic, but it was high anxiety, anxiety like I've never known mm. in my life. And, you know, and, uh, you know, people talk about, you know, post-traumatic stress stuff, you know, whenever uh, people get flashbacks, you know, after something traumatic happens. And I, you know, I, for maybe three, four weeks after the accident with her eye, I was, um, you know, I, I could feel that so every so often, that tightening in my chest. You feel like, you know, if something else was happening, I could just feel my chest tightening. And then, you know, I've never experienced that in my life. You know, I'm very, Sam will tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly easy going and fairly happy camper. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a, it was a, it was a huge, yeah, a huge sort of, well, yeah, a huge interjection into that, into my way of being. 
Um, so yeah, it was it was yeah, it's been an interesting time. Just to so, what did worship look like for you personally? I mean, obviously, none of us have been able to you know really gather much in our church buildings, and you're used to going out and leading worship and and all that stuff. But obviously, you know, you had all the normal lockdown stuff, but then you had all of that other stuff going on as well for your family. What did what was your personal sort of worship life? Yeah, it was. I, I mean, I, I could honestly say, I mean, I'm not just saying this because we're doing a podcast about it, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I genuinely, I'm not sure I have got through that period as healthily without, um, I guess, what was already my attitude to what worship is and what interaction with God is. I think, you know, I mentioned earlier about my songwriting and my songwriting has always been shouting angrily about the state of the world and the state of the world economic system and the state of... Um, uh, you know, different political decisions and, that, and sort of trying to speak up a little bit on behalf of those who can't really speak for themselves. And 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 through that sort of songwriting, I ended up doing a lot of work with folks like Oxfam and Christian Aid and Tear Fund and seeing an awful lot of carnage around the world being taken to Dhaka in Bangladesh to see, um, you know, sweatshops and, you know, 12-year-olds stitching dresses together mm. and labels at the end of the production line being tagged on that say made in Germany, you know, <laughs> in the middle of Dhaka, you know, and seeing some of this stuff and, and writing about it and and crying out to God about it. And but also I think having met so many people, whether here in London or when I lived in London or whether in Luton or um especially the young people that my friends used to work with in Luton, I just yeah, I feel like I exposed to a lot of pain and a lot of painful situations. So a lot of my songwriting was already a lot of lamenting. And 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 but I can honestly say that it was kind of almost like written slightly on behalf of other people. Yeah, yes, yeah. I was yes, I was crying out. There's a song I wrote called Fragile after we were working with a community uh on a, like on in Chennai and southeast coast of India. And uh you know, we had, had this wonderful day working with them. We were going to help try and improve the quality of their housing. Uh, the fishing community that just lived on the beach. And um, and it was about, that was November. And then we got a phone call on December 27th to say that community had been pretty much totally wiped out by the tsunami. Mm. That, you know, that famously ravaged so much of Southeast Asia that Christmas time. And, and you know, I, I wrote a song that night looking at the pictures and the video of these beautiful kids that we'd met, most of whom weren't there anymore, going, you know, God, why does life have to be this fragile? Why is their death so close to birth? Why is why does life have to be this fragile here on this earth? Because, you know, my dad, my dad was a, a biology teacher. So I kind of had a bit of a sense that, like, I get that, you know, uh, the same bacteria and viruses that that cause us, you know, grievous illness also are part of what makes the life cycle of plants work. Mm. It means we can have food, you know, the, the things turn over and something dies and becomes fertilizer and that brings new life. So I, I get the fact that those things are in part of creation almost, you know, I get, I understand the thing about tectonic plates having to refresh and renew. And that's why we get tsunamis. Like I kind of, I get that the creation is almost innately fragile. And, and I also get that it's, you know, that we, that we would say creation is fallen as well. You know, that when we fell, creation fell, that we're connected mm -hmm. to the earth. But, but, um, 
you know, but the question I was asking, like, I get that it is full and I get that it is fragile, but God, does it have to be this fragile? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, is yeah. This, this seems totally mad. And, and I guess it's a similar question that we're asking, many of us are asking at this COVID time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, yeah, I understand it's full, but does it doesn't have to be this fallen because this just is an ugly thing that is picking on the least and the most least last and lost and you know the most vulnerable in, in our countries are being picked off by this thing whether that's you know the elder or whether that's folks who are um, who are marginalized just because of their living conditions already and inequalities and and, and, the, and the seeming uh, disproportionality of how it's affecting various ethnicities you know and you're like but it's not like, you know, God, it seems like a weird prayer to say, God, why isn't COVID an equal opportunities? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like a weird thing to say, but 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 it is what I want to say. And and I don't know why that is, because you know, stuff's just bad, stuff's fallen. And you know, I was I was kind of mocking myself recently when I was saying it's like, yeah, I feel like many of us have got this kind of healthy theology of suffering, understanding it's real and you can't always explain it. And yes, there are trials and, you know, there's sometimes reasons we go through it. And sometimes there's just no reason why we go through yeah. it. Sometimes it's just rubbish. It's just, just bad. It's just awful. And, um, but it's like, and I, and sometimes we're quite proud that we have a theology that can, you know, understand that and take all out. But then when it actually, when push comes to shove, it turns out our theology was, well, I, it's okay if the suffering gets to like a 30% suffering level. Mm. But, it's, but, but, if, but if the suffering gets up to 50 or 60%, like COVID's going on and my daughter and my son, and my, and my, you know, then, oh, then suddenly it's not all right. And suddenly we have to ask different theological questions. And we're like, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't actually really hold. Do you know what I mean? That's just, and, and so, anyway, that is all long introduction. To the fact that I, think, I think that I, I fully have always believed in lament. And, you know, I did a, a, a tour with my friend over the course of three years, my friend Patrick Regan, um, and we did this tour called When Faith Gets Shaken. And we went all around the UK. We did like like 42 dates over the course of three years, intentionally creating a space with Patrick, telling his story about some of the struggles he's had in his life and how he was like at the edge of his faith at, at, at one point. And so him telling his miserable stories and me singing my miserable songs, basically <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying, to, trying to create a space for folks, especially folks who were struggling, to, to be able to actually connect with God, but but be honest about what was going on rather than having to kind of escape the struggle and come and pretend in front of God in some sort of, you know, um, uh, sanitized, pasteurized place. They're actually able to bring their questions and bring their annoyance and bring their complaint. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I think, you know, and I guess I always believed that that was right and always believed that was biblical and always believed that that's what David spent his time doing, you know, that he didn't, he didn't just... Uh, what's the word you know he didn't just say oh god why are things so bad it was more like it was like really accusatory it was like why have you left me when just when I needed you most you know David didn't hold back and so you know I, I'd started during the during last year I started thinking I wonder if God called David a man after his own heart because David actually went after him <laughs> quite literally went after God he quite literally didn't let him off the hook he wasn't happy with the glib answers. He, he kept asking these really quite rude and impolite questions. And we're like, well, actually, maybe God's designed us. Well, maybe we're designed for surrender. Maybe we're designed um, to ask the angry questions and God's just big enough to take it. 
mm-hmm. rather than having to think, well, I have to, we have to go through all these hoops of like processing before, you know, well, let's, you know, let's, let's think this through, let's process it, let's therapize ourselves, let's work it all out. And then, and then, you know, then we're somehow then good enough to come before him with a slightly more polite version of ourselves. And just like, I don't see any of that in, in the book. Yeah, I totally agree. I met someone this morning who were talking about that psalm. It talks about, you know, Lord smash their babies' heads. Oh. And that is one of my favourite psalms because it gives me permission <laughs> to say it as it is. Because sometimes that is how you feel about a certain individual in your life or the situation. It's as if that there was no emotion that we couldn't bring before God. And I just love hearing about that tour and just thinking, you know, and I think I'm going to have to do another tour because, you know, we're doing this podcast in, well, you know, March. And uh, when I read about, there's been research about the level, um, post-traumatic stress, about people who've been hospitalised and gone on a ventilator. Then they've also looked at both people who've had COVID but not been hospitalised. And the proportion who are suffering from PTSD in one shape or form is really high. Yeah. And so I just see this, I don't know, even you talk about the men, I kind of think, yeah, we need another tool on that to mm. give people permission, just because th- there is going to be a time when we won't wear masks, but we will still have the scars yeah. and the pain. And we need to be able to know how to, in a way, you know, write a complaint letter to God, which we yeah. see in the Psalms, where they say horrendous stuff, which, you know, we would think that's politically incorrect. We don't yeah. want any harm to come to children. But <laughs> those people on Babylon who had seen their children killed before their very eyes, who had experienced yeah. atrocities, that is a total human response. Yeah. So if it was, and their faith wasn't discounted because of that. So I, I do see that there is there is a, a, a mature, not a we have to be strong enough, but God is strong enough to take my raging. Yeah. And to, and 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 there may be seasons of raging. And I don't know, I suppose in this disrupting worship, what I'm sensing now in March is that how do we create space for our gathered communities to rage mm-hmm. and lament yeah. and say this is not okay and not happen when someone dies as if you're kind of given the funeral and a few months after and then you're meant to be together mm-hmm. if, if you what I mean and I and I think there's some people approaching coming out of COVID thinking oh we just need to have a little moment we've had our moment now and yeah. we'll move on yeah. if these yeah. if these figures about post-traumatic stress are, are to be believed and to me that's the tip of the iceberg I'm going to have a congregation where the majority are suffering from PTSD. So what does worship look like yeah. for, for them where actually we don't, it's, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to have a, oh, we move on now. When you know, you know, hearing your story, you know, for me, this has been, lockdown has been brutal on so many levels. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm just thinking, I'd love to know what your thoughts are about how, how we help our communities say it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to be peeved off with God and how can we help you articulate in a, that in a way that you feel that you can do that? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure any of us are there on the answers to that stuff. No, I don't think so, but that, that's what I'm, that's also one of the questions I'm yeah, churning think, in my head. I think, you're, I think you're asking the right question and I think, I mean, all we can do is like share our own experience of it thus far and see if that helps lead other people through in it and and you know it helps us in the process as well you know i i um you know i mean you were saying it's really interesting what you said but you know knowing that 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 ranting at god doesn't mean you know our faith is discounted Mm. and i I think i'd probably want to say to people that not only is it not discounted but it's actually enhanced Mm. it's actually deepened 
you know what I mean? There's, there's a reason why Peter was a disciple that ended up leading things because he, he was the one who was prepared to put his foot in his mouth and, you know, speak up and ask the stupid question and say the stupid mm-hmm. thing and, and, you know, and do the outrageous thing. I mean, but he was, but, but, but he did it. He engaged his relationship with Jesus developed because he, he didn't shy away from an honest relationship with him. He, and, and so I, I think, I think it actually, I think I've experienced in this last while, I've experienced my relationship with God really deepen mm-hmm. through through doing that and you know like this the um psalm 142 has been really really close to me during this time i was just walking along the street listening to it um you know david Suchet reading his lovely niv his lovely niv tones in my ear um and um i and and you know, just hearing that line I, I had never jumped out at me before that you know um unto you i tell my trouble Mm-hmm. And I just this wow, what an incredible thought. Unto you, I tell my trouble. Like God, I t- I tell you my trouble. I yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I just I almost from from the moment of hearing that phrase, I just resolved that's what I was going to do. I was going to tell God my trouble. Um, and I wasn't going to you know not tell it to other people as well. But I was really primarily going to tell God my trouble. I was going to tell God what was troubling me. And and I think and because I think we're designed to do that, so it actually makes us healthier. Uh, people so you know like the more of my anger and frustration that I am articulating vertically in God's direction the less hopefully I am sending sideways and horizontally <laughs> yeah. to my kids and my wife and my friend um, I think that's the way we're designed and we're designed to need that outlet and we're designed um, to you know to almost you know in the midst of that conversation we then receive I think sometimes we receive some peace sometimes we just mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's not it's not like it's always going to feel better after we do it but I think there's something really powerful in the vertical articulation that that releases us from some of the angst in the horizontal and I think and I think we're naive to think as you said Grace that we will somehow have the capacity to all just help each other after this mm. there's not you know um there's not there's not enough therapists in the country to do that <laughs> I mean, there's, not, there's, not, there's not like I'm, my, my that's what i'm you know my wife's training to be a psychotherapist but you know there'd need to be a hundred of her in this street not not just one of her and and so you know i i, I got to believe that we are designed to access this incredible capacity of you know this beating heart at the center of the universe that is the source of all life that is the source of all peace um, and that that is where we're primarily designed to receive from and complain to. Mm. And that that enables us to hopefully have something to give um, to the rest of our community and to, the, to each other. Um, but also when we do do that, that we're carrying a little bit less of the, of the you know, we're not negating the pain, but we're just, you know, everybody knows that like the more you talk about stuff, the better, the, yeah. generally the better it gets. And yeah. so, I, yeah, I think that... I feel like that resolution to tell my trouble to God, um, uh, you know, I ended up even writing a song just based on that psalm, you know, um, uh, that, yeah, yeah, that that was, that was where a lot of my focus should go in terms, you know, you asked the original question about worship, mm. but that's, that's a lot of the worshiping I've been doing is like, you know, and but you are, if, you know, by complaining to somebody, you are acknowledging that they are there and that you yeah. still believe in them, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And sometimes we think it sometimes sometimes makes things a bit more doughty or a bit less faithy by doing yeah. that. You know, you're just as much affirming somebody's reality and their position of authority by by complaining to them as you are by saying nice things to them. <laughs> yeah. So for you, I'm just I'm helping. If people are like, well, I've never done this. I've never done this kind of complaining to God thing before. Just very practically, how has it looked for you? Is it you said it involved writing a song? 
is it writing things down? Is it talk, just, I just I think for some people, they might just need a bit of imagination to know, oh, this is what it might look like just for me personally to start being honest with God. Yeah. I mean, we're all different, so I wouldn't want to put my experience just on everybody else, but I mean, mm. I'll just share, share what I do. And, yeah. um, uh, you know, it, it's just uh, a lot of the time it's just talking mm. um, it's getting somewhere. I, I feel like I'm more honest when I actually do the audio, you know, mm. and I'm all for praying silently. I'm all for being quiet. I love reflecting. I love being in silence. I mean, one of the disciplines I've had in the last few months, as you know, I've been aware of that, what I was talking about, the um, mm. tightness in my chest and, you know, there being still too much adrenaline in my system. Yeah. I've, 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 I've realized that it's going to be important to be like just absolutely still and silent and meditate mm. for maybe half an hour every day. Mm. So I'm trying to do that. Just was like, so there's loads of simple YouTube videos that, yeah. you know, where you can just do that and, um, you know, find some videos on YouTube, like Christian meditation or mindfulness that just often it's just people with really whispery accents and nice keyboard sounds <laughs> speaking Bible verses over your you know, you know, that, that it's blessed me to be honest that, that, you know, that just, just to make sure I'm in one place for half an hour and still and breathing in and being reminded that I am loved. Mm. That's, that's fairly healthy. That's not answering your question. No, sorry. That's, no, that's really helpful. That's really helpful, but, that, that's just something I've, I've done with it in terms of the actual how to do the complaining thing. Um, I, I think, um, uh, yeah, I think speaking it out loud, so finding somewhere where you're happy to speak out loud and you're not worried about anybody else hearing you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that might be in the park and, you know, you might, that might be somebody thinking like, oh, right. He's, you know, he or she is losing it at this point, but, um, but uh, you know, find somewhere or a room or a time where you could be like, for me, it's, yeah, the bottom of the garden, or whatever you know, and 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 just just being really just just starting to talk, saying, "God, right, okay, so yeah." I mean, that was really good. We were having a really gorgeous time, and it was really lovely with the kids. And and so we're not, you know, what are the chances? Like, literally, what are the chances of of that thorn going in her eye? They're they're mm-hmm. minuscule. I can't believe that you couldn't have stopped that. I can't believe that you didn't. I can't believe you couldn't have stopped that. I've seen you do more powerful things than that. I've seen you do, you know, Jesse was healed and the, the day was, you know, the week he was born. Jesse had a stroke the day he was yeah. born. And, and we, we saw a miraculous thing happen to him in his first week and he's totally fine now, but he had a really major stroke the day he was born. And I'm thinking like, God, I've seen you do miraculous things. So like just my leg going one centimeter to the right, surely that would have been possible. Mm. Um, rather than catching that branch or just her being a few centimeters further back surely surely that's not beyond your ability surely and i cannot see you know i'm not saying all these are right my thoughts but th- this yeah, is the yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. i cannot and i cannot see how the stress levels that it's brought the pain it's brought my wife the, the pain it's brought physically to her how it might sort of hold her back in her reading or i, can, I can't see how any of these things are good things mm. and i i'm like an old i'm like the ultimate optimist like i will find a silver lining i can find a silver lining in anything i'm the ultimate hardwired optimist i will find a silver lining and so you know uh, i i will find reasons. yeah it's been good because we've been able to do this and you know oh actually lockdown you know but but i but really genuinely just sometimes good to just say yeah but I, no i don't see how this is helpful i don't see how this is good for anybody um and just yeah just just that honest conversation yeah. And, but also remembering to stop and listen as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than just ranting, as we often do in arguments. <laughs> and, you know, trying to stop and listen as well. And then, as you said, Sam, writing stuff down is really helpful. Mm. So I, I'd often get people to write, like, their own Sam. So it's sometimes, sometimes it's really helpful just to say, take a pen, an A4 page, 
you know, it doesn't have to be long, doesn't have to be epic. Um, and, and just just write uh, how you're feeling right now to God. And that might have some positives and it might have some negatives, but just just write it down, crystallize it. And sometimes in the process, you, you actually get a better sense of what you're doing as well. But for other people, it might be, you know, doing something with clay. It might be, it might, it might be you know, molding something, sculpting something, writing something yeah. or doing a poem or drawing something. Like it's a really, you know, powerful thing to draw as well i think so mm. i mean it might be different things for different people um but i think the, the most important thing is to try and you know you can't you can't you know personally think some people think you know oh, i might go too far you know i might go too mm. far I you can't go, go as far smashing babies heads i mean well, exactly. I, think, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think i think the bible has showed us there is yeah, no yeah. there's no thing you cannot say to god isn't it but people think there is but there is no outrageous statement that yeah. God cannot hear. Yeah, yeah he knows yeah. our hearts. So, yeah. So, can I, so yeah. Can I, I couldn't agree more. And can I just say that no babies were harmed during the making? Yeah, no, but yes, no babies were harmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no babies were harmed, and it was, it was, it was the the psalmist's voice to God. Yeah. what? So. I'm, I'm intrigued to think. What What do you think it is in us that has that sort of innate? politeness or or like oh we can't say that or we can't what where, where do you think that comes from culturally where do you think that comes yeah, from? yeah cult, culture i do have to say i think it's a, it's a bit of a middle class thing yeah that that wanting to be polite yeah. um as a woman of black african heritage you mm. know when someone dies we let it all out yeah. there is no pretending you know mm. and, and even you know now as i do funerals i remember doing a funeral and the widow just stood just sat there and she just said pain pain that's all she kept saying but that was her way of getting it out you know um you know i've seen you know in i have to find i find in the african culture we um have no are able to rejoice enthusiastically and mourn with the same level of passion yeah and 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 this and and just letting and just letting it out we and knowing that we feel safe to do that and that is that is totally okay so i so i do struggle i see that cultural barrier um within the church of england of all oh, you know we, we, this 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 politeness uh, i think sometimes is allowed to transcend and trump actually what we how god has wired us yeah because what I see in the Hebrew people in the Old Testament, and you know, I don't know much about Hebrew, but I know that Hebrew is a very visceral language. It's mm. a very pictorial language, mm-hmm. you know, and it paints this picture of, of a God who has emotions, a God who feels, a God who connects. And we see that in and how the people connect and engage with Him. So we see in the scriptures there is there is never this veneer from any of the patriarchs or any of the children of Israel. They just say it. They mm. just get it out. But somehow we have got this. This, this cultural thing of, you know, even in church, we need to be polite. It's the one yeah. place that actually yeah. we, need to, we need to say this, this, you know, this, this is, this is awful. And, and, and it's, and it's okay. You're not going to be smited for that. And as a result, we're taking God seriously yeah. because if in, you know, uh, the, the three of us are blessed, we're married, which has its joys and has its struggles. Not to one another, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Not to one another. Yeah. That's <laughs> And that's, that's a whole said, other podcast. Yeah, that's a- <laughs> <laughs> but we know that in any relationship there will be conflict, and you have to walk towards that with grace, and you have to say what you need to say with grace. But we know that actually, that you know, in with a good friend, you'll have a best friends in our lives, and there are times when you know you have to say, you know what, you know, when this happened, 
it really upset me or it, this was the effect on me and blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, that any relationship that means anything, you're going to have to have those difficult conversations. And yet sometimes I find people are not wishing to have that particular conversation with God to say, you know what, Lord, where were you? Where were you? Unacceptable. What, what's happening, Lord? Um, and and it's and it, there's a there's a, a fear or a hesitation that that's that's just not appropriate or we're worried about what we're going to get back or maybe we're worried that we're not going to get anything back mm. yeah, maybe yeah. maybe there's that fear we're going to get a total silence and then mm. does that mean that we've been rejected and mm. and and that's kind of thing and that's why I suppose the lockdown's been hard in that we we're, we're having to learn to complain in some for some people in isolation mm. then I think when I look at the Psalms and you see some of those that were congregational or whatever you get a sense that some of that lamenting was done in community yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. so for, so it might be there might be that one person that you can say you know what this is I'm really disappointed you know, I feel let down by God and this is why and and starting that so I also think there is there is something about lamenting in community there yeah. is that space to lament on our own and feel safe but also there is there is a, a, a time to, to lament together so I know when I went through um I had chronic fatigue syndrome, I was in bed for a year and I had a spiritual director at the time mm-hmm. and she said, Grace, you've got a lot of angst we need to get out. She said, we need to draw out, the, we need to draw it out of you. So she invited me to um, write a letter and then post it to her and then she was just going to burn it and I trusted yeah. her that she would do that. Okay. So I just sent her loads of these in red envelopes and then she showed me, you know, then they've been disposed of because she just said you needed to get it. But actually there was something knowing that there was someone else was on this journey but keeping confidentiality I could actually physically put these lament letters in the post because at that time it was just like well where is God and I don't know I just remember in Vicar Factory one thing I took away from one course was um someone asked if there was um uh I think a rabbi visiting us and have you ever thought have you ever stopped believing in God because of the holocaust and she was saying that's not a Jewish question our question is what kind of, who is this God? Mm. And therefore, do I want to worship him? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I find that I'm really helpful. Mm. So when we're lamenting, we're trying to ascertain who God is and who he is not, mm. aren't we? We're trying to have that dialogue. I thought you were this, but maybe you're this. Mm. And, and, I, and I, I find that really, that is healthy because that's what you're doing in a relationship. You're trying to ascertain more. Who am I in the light of you? And who are you in the light of what I thought of you? And, and and all of, and that can't happen if lament is the key part of that um, of that process. And, and it will it will look different for different people because every Definitely. people are at a different stage of that process. So some yeah. some people in that kind of like who are you and who you're not. Some people are maybe at the stage of like just just now realizing oh you're not Santa Claus. Yeah, mm. you know, you're not actually going to give me everything I want. You know, and, and and unknowingly, that's that's been our kind of major image of God has been based on Santa. That he's this this guy, this old guy that we write letters to, and we don't necessarily. And if we don't get what we want, then we're kind of in a bit of a strop. You know, that, that, you know. That, but there's some, you some. But then there's some people who who maybe have for years been absolutely grappling with pain and injustice, and, and you know, seeing whole people groups just oppressed. Yeah. And and, and who so their, their vocabulary is very much not presuming that because they haven't. They haven't been blessed. They haven't haven't probably experienced a, a huge amount of, uh, you know, physical blessing in verticals, and so they're maybe in a different place uh, in terms of that vocabulary of having some of that vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think that's why we need 
like I think that's why you, why you when you mentioned the communal stuff, mm. that's so important because it's part of being a community together is is learning to mourn with those who mourn, yeah. with those who rejoice. Like the words that we sing or speak every week, we you know it would be bad if they exactly articulated where we were. Because then there would be just like our personal, you know, religious services provider. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to actually doing this in, in a community whereby we are going to be sharing and identifying with other people who are in a slightly different place to, yeah. to you know, I guess to where we are. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any practical ways? We, I mean, we've, I think it's really helpful that we've talked about the kind of personal thing first, because I do think it has to start there. And there's no point trying to stand up in your zoom meeting or when we get together physically and just go, Hey, let's all lament guys, you know, without actually having been there ourselves. But this thing about doing it communally, you know, a lot of people will go, yeah, communal lament. Yeah. That's what we need on Sunday morning. But then it's, but I don't know how to do it. I don't have the resources. I don't. So Andy, and both of you, have you got things that you've done or just things that you can see being done just to start to walk this out? Um, well, I mean, just to continue the story that, you know, the, the, one of the things that I wrote during lockdown, uh, the first lockdown, was a kind of a, a cry. I called it Psalm COVID-19. We know this world is war, but this seems far beyond fair. And why would you let this storm break on the least in your care? So we stumble to our knees there's no one left to speak to past understanding peace it's all that's left to cling to raise a banner of hope that faces into pain will raise a banner and pray Help us i think it is possible to just either liturgically speak or sing words that can do that identification with our current context and yeah. identify with the pain of either our pain or our, our, our brothers and sisters' pain. Um, it is possible to do it. It's just culturally we haven't done so much of that, so it feels a bit different, but it's totally possible mm. to sing words a little bit more like that mm. that, that include uh, and that allow the sort of stuff that we're talking about and the sort of lamenting, the sort of questioning uh, and the sort of articulation of pain that we've been talking about. I think, you know, I don't, I'm not sure we're going to need, I mean, it's going to, uh, hopefully it will inspire all levels of creativity and finding different ways to do it. But I, you know, I think, I, I think the world of, of words and poetry and liturgy and song actually do often articulate that stuff really well. And actually outside the walls of the church, music and song are often lamenting yeah. and articulating pain much better than, than the songs we write in church because often we are choosing songs it's not that they aren't out there it's just we're more likely if we've been tasked with leading 20 minutes of worship or something like that mm. we in our insecurity as human beings we want people in the crowd to like us a little <laughs> bit, and therefore we want to make them happy at some point or we want to bring them to this kind of you know like worshipful uh, climax at the end of it you know we want to we want to take them on a journey and you know and and so, and you so it's you know uh, you, you can imagine that there are, you know, uh, in churches that have like worship leaders, that there are worship leaders who are, you know, less secure in their jobs because they're not leaving people happy at the end of every Sunday morning, you know, mm -hmm. rather than actually creating a space. So, so there's, there's powerful dynamics at play in the gathering that sort of nudge us unhelpfully 
towards keeping people happy yeah. and keeping them giving and keeping them coming. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, yeah. Might not be, that might not be our prophetic role. Mm. Not, we're not just cheerleaders. Yeah. Worship leaders are not cheerleaders. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a huge difference between the two things. Yeah. 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 Grace, you had a brilliant thing I did when I came to your church. You were doing it every week, I think. Yeah, we were doing it every week. So it came out that a member of our congregation just, uh, yeah, bad stuff happened, basically. And I was thinking, like, they've just come to church. And where do we acknowledge that apart from intercession? So it came out of trying to meet a, a need within our congregation. So basically, every Sunday before COVID, um, there'll be, uh, I would just talk about in the Bible, there's a thing called the men, it's when they passionately express their sorrow. All of us here got something either for us or someone else that just sucks right now. So you've got a piece of newspaper, and I want to invite you to come forward. And there were two beautiful bowls, really beautiful bowls, gold inlaid and black on the outside. And come and bring your paper, scrunched up, whip it up, whatever, as a symbol of that which is hurting you, paining you for you or someone else. And when we first did it, I thought, oh, people would sit back and not do it. They couldn't get to the, they couldn't get there fast enough. Mm. They just couldn't get there fast enough. And sometimes we'd have, um, you know, oh, Lord, hear our prayer. Um, you know, one of the Teze songs all about Jesus, hear my prayer, that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've done that with stones. Come on, you know, what is the rocks in your life that, that the things are hurting and are jagged and not nice? And, and people instinctively, want to do that and want to physically embody mm. that and and being able to bring that bring that to God so that's something that we've done in a in a corporate setting on zoom we've still done it I've got I put a picture up of a uh I think it's on the it's an angel um black and white with tears and just say we're gonna hold you know a minute of silence just to voice to begin to voice to God that which we know where there's dissonance where there is you know Ill, we're ill at ease or whatever it is for and again for ourselves or for parts of the world where people are, are weeping and hurting and I think just making it um a part of both and so again so what I've gleaned from my African heritage is that life and death death is as much as part of life as life is a part of death and you need to acknowledge both simultaneously yeah and so it's trying within corporate worship I keep saying life is like train tracks I think this is from um uh, the woman, um, uh, a woman, it's not my, this is not my analogy, someone else has said it who's been through a lot. But life is like train tracks. There is simultaneously joy and sorrow. Simultaneously. Mm. Right now, we're having this lovely conversation, but right now there's someone else mm. experiencing yeah. something horrific. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I see that as a, in terms of leading worship to help people acknowledge that train track, which they're going to be living with when they walk out the door. Mm. So how does worship acknowledge that train track where we can simultaneously say God is faithful, God is powerful. We can simultaneously say, but I'm struggling with what that means for my life because right now I'm not experiencing it as that. And then, but then what does that mean when I say that statement? So those have just been small, small ways of trying to, of, try, of trying to acknowledge that. And I have to say, Sam, your song, you did a time, there's a time for tears. Mm. Oh, is so powerful. I've used that multiple times. Um, the images are beautiful. Um, the words are powerful. And again, it's just giving people permission to go there.
know, in a, you know, it's not, you know, to, to go there and to touch, to, to start touching those parts of their lives and thinking, oh, and this is something I can do when I go home. So that resource that you provided on Engage Worship is, 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 is really powerful. And, and to anybody song songwriters listening to this, I just encourage you. We, you were made for time like this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. we really need some songs here or yeah. some further liturgies yeah, or, or, yeah. or words that, that 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 can help people start corporately voice voicing that. But you can have that moment in worship where we're just saying it sucks yeah. <laughs> you know? and I feel like one of the real challenges and actually again again one of the reasons why we struggle to actually ask meaningful questions of God is that it's part of our what you would call the, the limitations of the English language because quite often what I've seen all over social media and from people during this whole time is that like you know don't worry, don't worry, God's still in control. You know, don't worry, God's still in control. And I think I have a real problem with that word control used in mm. that context. Mm. I would absolutely say that God is sovereign. I would absolutely say he is in supreme authority. But I'm not so sure I would say God is in control mm. uh, in the way that we understand the word mm. control. Because, you know, we'd be the first to say that we have free will and that we're not robots. And when we're explaining the story of salvation, we'll quite happily say that, you know, God has given us free will. Um, and therefore, you know, we often turn away. So, oh, so therefore, he's not in control. You know, he's like he's not not in control in the in, this, in the sense of somebody pulling levers to make things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and 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 you know, and then there's you know, when you think about the Queen, for example, in the news this 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 particular week, and um, you know, she, you would acknowledge that she is in authority over the United Kingdom, um, but. I wouldn't say she's in control of the United Kingdom. Do you know what I mean? She, you know, people still break the law, and uh, and 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 so I, there's something about our ability to ask those questions of God might might be helped by knowing that He is this all-loving source of life who, yes, is supreme, who, yes, could do whatever He wanted whenever He wanted, but actually to describe Him as as this controller rather than this, you know, loving, creative, playful God who interacts with us in ways that we can't, that we can't control him as well. He doesn't mm-hmm. allow us to be, he's not the Santa, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like, a, you know, like with real personhood, you know, and that playful Trinity, perichoresis dancing thing of, mm-hmm. you know, that he is just, he's probably more complex than we've given him mm-hmm. credit for being. And you see that through, you know, as his relationship with the children of Israel develops, and, and as the Old Testament merges into new, you know, it's just more complex than just, and, and sometimes we just, especially at times of great fear and confusion, we grab for simplicity, which is, all right, it's okay, because God's in control. Mm. And it might be, and then our questions might be better given fertile ground to grow if we weren't just so glib with statements like that, I think, right, like, like God's in control. Well, actually, yeah, I believe he's in authority, but, the, you know, he, he's not the sort of person who wants to just, control everything and therefore there are there is lots of stuff that happens that is uh that is not what he would desire and is mm. is just stuff that happens <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, and yeah. That, might, that might allow some of our questions and our complaint a little bit more yeah 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 yeah, yeah. that's awesome uh, guys, we're going to have to wrap up. This has been yeah. amazing. Uh, so grateful, Andy, for your time and your insight. It's a pleasure. It's really fun. Can and I think pe- more fun way to spend time. 
If people want to follow up on your politics stuff and your music stuff and all your stuff, are there websites that they can go to? And Yes, there are. So Christians in Politics is www.christiansinpolitics.org.uk. Um, and then and then my music stuff is uh, on andyflan.com, A-N-D-Y-F-L-A-N.com. And so, yeah, some of the tracks and some of the songs I've talked about will be up on YouTube channel, the YouTube channel and... Um, and then, yeah, eventually they're doing a new album of songs, actually, Yay. Quite Yay. This year, which has got a whole pile of uh, lamenting going on in the midst of those songs. Uh, so hopefully they'll be uh, useful to people as well. Visit engageworship.org slash disruptingworship for reflection questions and links to resources for each episode. You can get in touch with us by email on info at engageworship.org and also via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Engage Worship. Mm-hmm.